0: We should move this a little closer to you, because I'm loud.
1: And we're recording. We
0: are recording. (laughs) Welcome to Raw, rebelliously authentic worship, where we throw religion out the window. And today, we're going to be having our third special guest. Can you believe that? I can't. I am so excited about this one. So we've been on this light
1: and dark journey together with the Star Wars theme in May, and um, we have Natalie. You say her last name, Natalie Runyon. Okay, Runyon. She says it in the beginning. So I'm like, how do you say your last name? And um, I call her the Queen of the the Black Boxes, and and she loves the church, but she is not afraid to fight against the toxic and the abuse that has, um, been church culture for a long time in, in a lot of places, not all places but in a lot of places. And, um, we go there.
0: Yeah. I think what's really cool about this episode is, um, you know, we're finishing off a month about talking about, uh, seeing the light and, and kind of just making it our daily goal, to To see the light and to gravitate toward the light and and to be the light of Jesus, and so in this rep- episode, one of my favorite parts is when we're talking about how um, sometimes and Natalie actually says this. She says like you'll see a crack of light, mm. and then to to want to go for that light. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was just a powerful statement. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think that looks different in in for multiple people in multiple ways. Um, but I think it's important for us to close this month out just saying, hey guys, like we all love each other and we want to love Jesus in the best way that we can. Um, You know, Jesus, not only did he love the world and love the people in the world, um, but he also hated the sin. Yeah. And so I think it's important for us to remember that, um, that Jesus stood up mm-hmm. for the people who were marginalized and and he the did. people who were oppressed and the people who were hurting when he needed to yeah. um, to and, love
1: and for the church. I mean, he turned tables.
0: Yeah, he did. He
1: he turned tables.
0: I think when I think about I think about love, you know, we think about our our children, right? Mm-hmm. And we think about how um, if we prepare the road for the child, instead of preparing the child for the road, Mm. then what we've done is we've enabled them to think that the road is going to be easy, right? Mm. Yeah. Because we've made it easy for them. Yeah. Um, And so the reason I think this is important to say is because I think sometimes we think that loving people... (laughs) She didn't know where I'm I was going for a second. Head. At first I was
1: like, where is she going? <laughs> where is she
0: going? Um, so I think that sometimes we think that loving people means doing what is easy. And loving people is making things easy for people. And loving people ends up feeling good for the people involved. But
1: sometimes or allowed behavior. I just need to add that in. I, I and I get on allowed behavior soapboxes, but I think that sometimes we think um, you do you boo. Like we, we, you know, we've had this on the podcast, but I think that we think that is loving. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it does. I think that has to be said as well. You can keep going, but I think that has to be a as well as you, you allowing that behavior is not loving.
0: Right. So what I'm saying and what she's saying yeah. is sometimes love looks like saying the hard things. Yep. Love looks like doing the hard things, just like it is when we parent our children. Like I, That's the best example that I can come up that's with. That's a great example. Um, is because, you know, I'm sure all of you know of a situation in your lives, um, maybe even, maybe it's a parent um, or something like that, who who like you, you've seen enabled behavior mm. in your kids, mm-hmm. and instead of correcting it, mm-hmm. They've allowed it to continue, mm-hmm. um, and so what that's done is it's it's created, um, it's created the allowed behavior, and it's and it said, hey, it's okay to do this. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, as parents, we all do this sometimes. So I'm totally not like saying that I am the perfect parent. Clearly, um, but what I'm saying is that Jesus would have us champion for what is good for what is right yeah and honorable
1: and pleasing to him and and sometimes
0: that's hard
1: yeah and sometimes that's no sometimes you say no and, and don't allow it and we i love the conversation that we had with natalie in this in this podcast i'm so excited for you guys to get to meet her if you don't follow her on social media i highly encourage that follow whether you're in a healthy church or not or
0: you have not been in the past um, I highly highly encourage you to follow her you know what else I think is really cool and I I have one more thing to say I'm sorry no it's okay I'm talking I'm talking most of this intro because you talked most of the podcast you know what happened she was actually prepared and I was the one not prepared guys write this date down and (laughs) (laughs) and so what happened was she she knew enough she knew enough about what was going on to ask the questions and I was the one that was like okay I need to pay attention so that I can ask questions but isn't she awesome though? she is yeah and so anyway what I was gonna say is what I think is really really powerful is you know she has been through some hard stuff mm-hmm. and in her book that you'll hear about called raised to stay that's coming out in July she gave us she the said. date yeah uh, I don't remember the exact date I think it's the beginning of July um, but so what she's what she's done is in her book she's shared her story yeah. but it is obvious that she has healed from um, from the trauma that she has that she has gone through she's lived out yeah um, and and I say that because her goal is not to point fingers or any of those kind of things and that's not ours either no. um, what she is doing is she is trying to help the church yep. be who God created them to be. You're like, be? And I'm like, be the church. (laughs) I know. But that requires, that requires, you know, a little bit of, I don't know what word I'm using. It's, yeah. it's fine. My brain is completely gone now, guys. But anyway. <laughs> the twins have been it. <laughs> well, they have. Um, <laughs> and we also don't normally record this late. Like, I know it's only almost true, 7 true, o'clock. True. But my brain's like, hey, by the way, you're supposed to be winding down for That's the night. Funny. Um, So anyway, what I'm saying is that we never want to make it seem like we're just, we're out to to do any of those things we love people and we love the church yeah
1: and she does too she loves the church and and her goal is not to
0: attack church her goal is to call out the toxic the to call out the abuse. And that's completely obvious in yeah. her statements. And it sounds like in her book. It sounds yeah. like it will be in her book too. I'm excited. But I just, I just wanted to say that because I think it's important yeah. that people don't think, oh, let me stay away from this because this is one more book of people talking about what bad thing happened. But Mm-mm. that's not the case at all. What, what she's doing is she's saying, listen, we can do better. Yep. We can do better, and I think that's really, really cool because none of us have ever arrived. No. Um, and so it doesn't matter what it is that we're doing in this life right now. We can always do better. Yep. So you know, if you feel like, hey, I want to do better when it comes to being the church, pick up the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, and who doesn't want to do better? Yeah. Okay. I'm, right. I'm done talking. I love sip it? it.
1: All right. She's sipping it guys. All right. Um, y'all listen to this conversation that we have with Natalie and then go order, pre-order her book and, and let's get excited about what God's going to do and how he's going to use her words. All right, guys. So here on raw today, we have our special guest, Natalie. How do you say your last name, Natalie? Runyon. Runyon. I'm glad I asked because that's probably not how I can't I would remember have said how they were saying it. I think I said <laughs> you don't want to know. Like, r- r- I
2: like reunion. I, this is it's funny because my maiden name was Thomas, which okay. is very, very clear cut. And so when I met my husband, I was a teacher and I had kids with the last name Runyon, but it was spelled R-U-N-Y-A-N. Yeah. When I met him, he said his last name was Runyon. That's like where my brain went, you know. So we've been dating. I want to say a couple of weeks and I go to his house and his sweet mom has crochets, like crocheted pictures. And she has one on their like entryway that says Runyon. It's like, bless this house, Runyon. And it was spelled R-U-N-I-O-N. And I was like, huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but- no, that, that's fine. You're hot. We'll take it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> you <say> you're hot. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, so I mean, been, it's, it's been my life for the last 16 years. How do you say your life? Run-in. Yeah. <laughs> so, you've been married for 16, years. You yeah, get that 16 to years. us.
1: And you have how many kids?
2: two daughters who are 10 and 14, and they're amazing. They are little church kids. They love church. Um, Actually, I guess by the time this episode airs, it'll be public, but we're actually moving right now from Colorado back home to our home state of Kentucky and Ohio, like in that Cincinnati area. Um, So they're excited. They're going to get to go back to all their cousins. We came out here specifically for New Life Church, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, But we came out here for my job, and then my husband, once I kind of stopped doing the church thing and just started doing raised to stay. Uh he said, let's go home. So we're heading back. So our kiddos are got their rooms packed, they're ready to go back to <laughs> family. So yeah, we're we're just kind of like those traveling ministry gypsies, just go wherever the Lord tells <laughs> us to go.
1: <laughs> I think that's ditto. I think it, by the time this time this airs, it'll be out as well that we're moving home. So there's home. Yeah, Texas. So we're oh. back to Texas with all um, my kids will get to be with their cousins and the same thing. We moved here for ministry. So my husband was the worship pastor. Just a little history for you, Natalie. Yeah. At the same church that Marky uh was the children's pastor at. So yes. so that's how we came and you know.
0: So um, he's moving closer to here and you're and running, I'm away. Moving, uh, running away. Running away.
1: <laughs> i'm not running away it's like i've joking. been a gypsy
0: too like we've been <laughs> the gypsies as well so we yeah. i definitely understand that apparently i'm the opposite here i was born in yep. pennsylvania i was raised in pennsylvania and yep. i still live like 16 miles from my childhood house so called the
2: black hole of the midwest it's fine <laughs> we, we embrace it, it's she can't see it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and how long were you at the church because she she Grew up. You grew up at
0: the church that we were at. So the church that we were at, I was there. It was the church that I went to as a child. So I started like eight at eight or nine Mm -hmm. all the way until I was an adult left for a few years and came back uh, for five as a congregant and another five as a children's pastor.
2: Yeah, it's real. You know, when we told people we were moving to Colorado, you would have thought we were telling them we were moving to China. You know, they were like, Oh my gosh, how will we ever get to you? I'm like, it's a one plane ride. It's like a three hour plane ride. You'll
1: be fine. Yeah, that was, that was my, you know, Texas, who leaves Texas to go to Pennsylvania, right? Like, Nobody. so what are you trying to say? Uh, no, no, no offense. <laughs> no offense, all of our Pennsylvania listeners. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, you do, you go where God wants you, right? You go where God wants you yeah. and and we are excited to go home. And I know you are too.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah. the kids. You don't
2: always get to go back to Jerusalem. Right. You don't get to go back better than you came sometimes. So that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. You're the queen of the black boxes. That's what I call you. Like the queen of the black boxes. And I just, I want to know, like, what made you decide I'm going to be brave and say all the things that all the people want to say and are not saying (laughs) because, you know, we have been in ministry for a long time and, and done Different churches. My husband's worship pastor, and, and been at different churches, and the amount of church hurt um, that we've experienced is is vast. And I don't. Nobody says the words. Nobody says the words. But Natalie says the words.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was forty when I started writing those black boxes. I'm forty three, so it's been three years of kind of finding my voice in this madness. But prior to that. I was a pastor's kid, grew up in the Pentecostal church my whole life, and then went to a, went away to a non Christian college and majored in exercise physiology. I was a gym teacher, you know, and then found my way into ministry right out of college. And I think growing up in it, there is a language that we all speak that we don't know we're all speaking, and it's it's Christianese to the world, but to us, there's an internal dialogue that is happening in every church. I don't care what denomination, I don't care what your position is, the church has a culture all of its own. And I think we've we've suddenly figured out that we have a language, right? And so when I was 40, I was at the height of just feeling very burdened. I felt bait and switch to myself. I was walking through a really hard time under a really toxic leader. I wanted to quit more than that I ever had before. I was just, I was done. And I remember walking the dog, and I was just like, "I would, I just want to be a Starbucks barista, God." If it's okay, <laughs> I feel this. Like, I would love just to have a normal job with normal hours, where my phone's not dinging all the time, where people aren't betraying people all the time. Like, I'm just tired of being disappointed, and I really had come to that point in my ministry journey. I'm like, I'm just done. And as I was walking the dog that day, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me that a lot of my problem and i have to own my own problems right that's part of spiritual maturity and self-awareness yeah Yeah. was that i was constantly getting hung up on the same problem which was defending myself trying to defend myself and make everybody know that i was a good person trying to yell fire when nobody even wanted to acknowledge there was smoke i just was constantly the the problem child of the church staff because i would call things out (laughs) and
1: the we kill like, you. Keep going. Right? You know, it's, like
2: justice, it's that like, you know, widows and orphan mentality. But then when it's like brought up against church leadership, now you're just divisive, right? Like <clears throat> justice has its place.
0: And why and, can't we just say the things to try to help right, improve the things,
2: right? right? Like, I'm not trying to like, burn the place down. I'm just suggesting that maybe we don't have abusers in leadership. I don't know. I'm just thinking that maybe that's not what we should have. But exactly. I felt like I just needed to walk away. And the Lord said, let me... I need you to like, let me fight for you for a change and go into these places of leadership that you're in and stop trying to prove anything and just let me be God. And then it was like, I just heard this audible phrase raised to stay. And I remember that being like this stop in my, in my tracks moment Hmm. where I thought, oh my gosh, I think the Lord just gave me something. And so I went running home and I Googled it, raised to stay. There was nothing, there was nothing. There was nothing called raised the stay. And I thought, well, I must not be that washed up because the Lord just trusted me with something. <laughs> but I think, I think I now know my purpose. And it was like, okay, so my ministry had always been worship. It had always been whatever. And now I realized, no, I was created to tell people that they can't quit. Like that's my my entire ministry has been wanting to quit, so that I would actually flip that around and tell people why they can't <laughs> quit. So I I wrote my first black box. I just wrote it. I wrote it. I don't know why I chose black and white because I'm a very neon person, but I a <laughs> black box with white writing on Canva. And I just wrote out. I just started writing things out how I was feeling about wanting to quit. And before I knew it, there was this community forming and. I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm 40 years old and I suddenly realized why God has me still here. And that's been the last three years has just been waking up every day and being like, okay, God, what do you want to say to your people? How do you want to challenge the church? How do you want to convict us today? And the language has been universal. Much to my surprise, we're all speaking the same language, but we think we're we're speaking a language nobody knows. and yet here we are like, Oh my gosh, thank you for putting words. to what I couldn't say. Um, and that's where we're at now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being brave. I mean like for so many of us that are on the other side and scrolling with our thumbs and reading the black boxes and have been through such awful hurt and hard times. Um, thank you. I I mean, really from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being brave and, and for following God and, um, I and I was raised Southern Baptist, so I was born and raised Southern Baptist, and no longer that. I'm very spirit filled now, Um, but born and raised Southern Baptist. My whole family is Southern Baptist in ministry and Southern Baptist, and with that comes some legalism, right? And so words, saying words, um, like you're saying, I felt like I couldn't say them about the church, right? Like I couldn't challenge the church. And I couldn't challenge leadership in the church. Um, And I I feel like so many of us are in that spot where we felt like we couldn't say words. And then Natalie comes along and says all the words. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) It, it feels weighty.
2: Because I know, like Paul, you know, Paul is is constantly being so raw and so honest in the scriptures to the point where he's kind of like, take me or leave me. Like, I just have to be obedient to say the things. And not that I'm comparing myself to Paul in any way, shape, or form, but I do think that the reason the church is where it's at now in this deconstruction movement is because leaders haven't been challenged. There hasn't been anyone to say, um, excuse me, That's not biblical, or that's not spirit-filled or spirit-led. Excuse me, that's not even how we're supposed to be treating each other. Because we haven't challenged that and held leaders accountable to a biblical standard, to a holy standard, that's why we find ourselves with abusers in position, why we have narcissistic leaders in high places, because nobody has felt that they have the permission to challenge authority when... People in the Bible did it all the time, you know? Um, So I think that there is a place where there is honor, but then I also think there has to be a place for honesty as well.
1: And where's the tension between that? I wrote down, so what do you think... Um, hear me find my question. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the line is between allowing toxic behavior and giving grace and making room? We we talk a lot on our podcast about making room for people who are going through struggles and who are, who are going through things and letting, you know, God come in and meet them. We talk about that all the time. But so where's, where's that tension in that line of grace versus, okay, you can no longer talk to me like that, right? Like, you know, like oh, really? like, yeah. That, that's not going to happen again. <laughs> no, and I think that we have to look
2: at like, we know that leaders are going to be held more accountable. The Bible says that, that to much is given, much is required. And if you are a leader in the church, you call yourself a pastor or a director or a or whatever you call yourself, if you are taking care of the people of God, you are going to be held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. So that means when you get to heaven, it is going to look different for the people who have called themselves preacher, teacher, and leader. However, in on earth here, that means that if we have a leader in position who is overseeing multiple people and they're toxic or unhealthy, we know that's just going to breed itself into a culture. So that's why it's so important that churches have things like sabbaticals in place or Uh, spiritual directors or counselors available to those in leadership, where if their marriage is in trouble, if there is a financial situation, if there is an unhealthy season, that there are protocols and procedures put in place to give that leader space to heal. To be, um, restored and then prayerfully put back into position when they're ready. But when churches don't have those policies and procedures in place, then people can just run amok acting how they want because we're desperate for talent or we're desperate for someone to sit in that pulpit. I mean, At this point, I'd rather see churches completely shut down and move to another church where there's healthy leadership than to continue to aid and abet abusers just to keep the doors open of a church. But that balance is that if you have a staff person who's just acting out, well— Let's Matthew 15, you know, let's do the Matthew 18 thing here and let's have the hard conversation and take out the proper steps. And then prayerfully in a month, that issue is going to be resolved. So that's the grace piece of that. But when someone just continues to act out, continues to just be divisive, we know that division is not of the Lord. So there has to be accountability and discipline there. But for leaders, if we don't have the right structures in place to hold them accountable at a biblical space, then either we haven't set up our structures properly to protect the sheep, or we're just letting people act how they want because we need talented people. And both are going to cause chaos in the house. So I think there's a place for grace. And then I think there's also a place like, do you really want to be here and submit to the leadership? If you don't, then you need to go work at Starbucks and go be there for <laughs> them, you know, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank I think something that's interesting about that is as pastors, and I'm sure Jess would agree, um, we want to have somebody to talk to. Like being at the top is a, is a lonely place because you can't share what's going on with other people with other people. And so you need that person to be able to talk to. So I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to have somebody to have those conversations with.
2: No, and if you think about your staff culture and smaller churches will be different than larger churches, but 90% of our productivity is in drama. You know, you're in offices talking about the stuff that's going on. You know, you're just, it's like, save the drama for your mama. Like we're paying good people to sit and gossip about things that if we just had healthy places to discuss this stuff, we'd be much more productive in our churches and probably not having to staff a hundred, we could probably staff 50 if we weren't spending so much time um, gossiping and trying to figure out what leadership is really doing and what's really happening behind the scenes. And so as pastors, having you know mentors, having people like counselors and, and spiritual yeah. directors in our lives, those are the safe places that we need to offer our staff to be able to unpack things that are happening so it's not happening within our, our own staff culture. I did that post on why most staff would rather quit than contend for healthy culture, it's because nobody's listening to them. Exactly. At some point, you just get tired of being the clanging, you know, uh, symbol that's screaming help and nobody's going to help you. And so you're right. We need those safe places.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about the timeline because you said you've been doing this for about three years, right? That puts it smack dab in the middle of COVID, um, which I think is interesting because of the mental health crisis that we've I mean, it's always been there, I think. Um, But all of a sudden, everybody's realizing that it's there because of COVID. So I just think it's interesting to point out that there's a whole bunch of mental health stuff here that we ignored as a society for years and years and years. And now all of a sudden, we're we're seeing it.
2: Absolutely. I mean, think about our own homes. Like, I hated myself during COVID. I was like, I am, (laughs) I'm annoying. Like, I was, (laughs) you know, so imagine like how we thought about spouses, how we thought about children. Yeah. Yeah. we got this intrinsic like this intrinsic look at our own hearts at our own families and then we were looking at our churches and we were saying oh my gosh like i have been being abused all this time and had no idea or oh i have been neglected this whole time and had no idea and so then we go back on to that staff full blazing right like every church is like back in and now we're like mad Because we've had time to actually process what's been happening in our lives. Um, We probably did need counseling and didn't even know we needed it. Some of us needed medication and didn't even know we needed it. it COVID woke us up to so many things. And then our church staff is just supposed to go back to normal. Like when half of us didn't even get the real break everybody else got because we were on the phone. I don't know about you guys. I was doing 300 calls a week. I was on congregants nonstop dropping meals off at houses, doing hospital visits from windows. I mean, there was no rest for the
0: ministry people during COVID. My job, my job was definitely harder during COVID.
1: And I wasn't, I'm not on church. I'm not on staff at church. Um, My husband was, but I actually worked more for the church during COVID than I did ever. Um, So yeah, it was, it it was a lot.
2: Yeah. And then we're just supposed to like go back to just things, business as usual when in reality, like there was no business as usual. Everybody was in this new normal that everybody was talking about. And there was no new normal there. There was like just residual stuff that hadn't been dealt with for the last couple of years. And all of a sudden it was like in our faces and we had to deal with this new uh, pandemic as well as the stuff that we had not been dealing with three years prior,
0: you know? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Sorry. There was a, there's somebody
0: weed eating outside <laughs> <was> the window <laughs> you know, we, we closed the windows and I even turned the dryer off the dryer <laughs> <off. laughs>
1: that's great um so can we talk about the rock ram because um that video it came at a point in my life um and we'll share it on 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 our facebook page uh on raw's facebook page but it came at a point in my life um where we had you know I I told you about our church our church situation and it had just happened and it was such a hard um awful thing I know that you you said you walked through the same thing um when you you were a teenager and I watched that video and I went this makes sense because I have that personality
0: she has the personality. So we are like nothing alike. No. Except for that one thing. Yeah. Oh, and we both like to write with purple pens. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. But neither of us are okay with just leaving things go at the status quo when everybody's Mm -mm. hurting. So we will rock the boat until the boat tips or until somebody listens. Yeah. We're not scared. We're not scared. (laughs) And we're, we're going to,
1: I wouldn't say I'm confrontational, but I'm not scared of confrontation. I am not scared of, of bringing up the hard things and having the hard conversations. Um, I just have a level.
0: So I'm, I will say (laughs) things nicely. Like the first I don't know, two times yeah. until I just mic drop it with something really obnoxious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and here's the deal, like it's it's almost like it's fine for men to have that personality, but when True. women have that personality, we're Jezebels or we're yeah. uh, disrespectful or we're loud or whatever and um, I just feel like the Lord uses a lot of us for these Esther moments, and that's that meekness, that power under control. Um, but sometimes when we're new to it, we don't always operate out of the self-control. We operate out of emotion. And I think most of my 20s was learning how to harness this discernment that the Lord had given me Um to walk into a church or an organization. And, and here's the deal. I always say this, like, I didn't choose the thug life. The thug life chose me. I love <laughs> it. So I like can walk into a church staff and I could be there five minutes and look around a table and tell you who the gossip is, who the troublemaker is, who is hurting people <laughs> behind the scenes. Like, I could see it a mile away. <laughs> and I hate that about myself because <laughs> it makes me suspicious sometimes, right? Yeah. And we know that suspicion is just discernment masked by fear. So when we go into organizations or churches new in ministry and we don't know how to harness that discernment, we will sometimes scream out like, that person's insane. And nobody wants to believe us because that person hasn't showed themselves to be insane yet. Um, they will, but it's just not that timing yet. And so I think for many of us, we feel guilty because we're like, no, I have caused division. I have run them up. I have been loud. And the truth is, is that that's not a bad thing as the Lord teaches us how to harness that discernment. So the rock ram came for me in my thirties when I was still learning how to use my voice. And I was a worship leader, under a pretty bad female leader at the time and i was cleaning up bulletins from the pews one day after church and this man came to me and he said hey i have a prophetic word for you and i was in a baptist church which was a rare thing for someone to give a prophetic word yeah and he said the lord wants me to tell you that you're a rock ram and i said well what on earth is that like i've never heard (laughs) that and he said well in the mountains distinctively there are sheep who just know that if there's ever an avalanche that happens in the mountains, that one sheep is just wired to get in front of the whole pack and butt its head up against that avalanche until a little pen of light appears in the rocks. And they just know that once that happens, they have to go to the back of the herd and it takes the rest of the herd working together to push down that wall and to set all of those sheep free. And he said, but it's a sad and scary position to be in because you're alone ramming your head up against something that feels like it's not going to break down. And then suddenly you have to trust that the rest of the sheep are going to tear it down and and finish what you started. And it it was so confirming for me because in a lot of organizations, I have been the one to go to the board and say, hey, I think you have somebody in here who's not good. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I've been fired. I've been dismissed. I've been let go. I've been demoted only for like a year later to get the phone call of, we're so sorry you were right. And what I want to say to church leadership is we don't want that conversation. The people who are telling you that there are things happening don't yeah. want to be right. That's not like sure. our goal to be right. But I'm tired of getting the phone call. You were right. Like, why don't we investigate the, the person? Why don't we ask our staff? Are you seeing the same thing? Like if, if you have 20 people resigning who are under the same person, that should give you a red flag, but leadership isn't always paying attention to that. So the rock rams are in position to kind of start saying, hey guys, something's wrong. And then it takes the rest of the staff or congregation or whoever to kind of partner beside you and say, you know what, you're right. We're not gonna be silent anymore. We're gonna come behind and push this thing down. And unfortunately, rock rams don't always get to see the wall fall. A lot of (laughs) times we are the ones who have to go on and then the rest of the staff or the church has to decide if they're going to come alongside and and be the voice. And you know sometimes it does and sometimes they don't. But our job isn't to babysit that process. And that's the difference between quitting and going. Quitting is taking my toys and being angry and bleeding all over the next church that I go to. Going is saying, look, I've done what I came here to do. I feel healthy. I feel safe. I feel like I did my job. Now I'm going to go and be healthy in the next thing God has for me and trust he'll reveal in his timing what needs to be
0: revealed. That's so hard to separate, you know, as, as humans, because we, we care a lot about what others think of us, even if we don't want to. <laughs> and then on top of that, we want to see justice, especially for personalities like ours. Like yeah. we want to see it happen. Yeah. Um, so that is a really hard thing to do. To go to the back. Yeah. And I love
1: that, you know, that pinhole
0: of light. So our podcast, um,
1: our we're in a series right now, and and you're finalizing the series, and we've been talking about dark and light. And and we we equate it to Star Wars. We're big, I don't know if you like Star Wars or not, but we're kind of like Star Wars Yoda, like a whole thing. Um, geeks around here and all of us the husbands um, are on part of the podcast as well and so it's just fun Um, but we've been talking about dark and light and so just to have that little bit of light and just to to let that light in. I
0: think that that's a huge statement. Um, and we have to see that as a victory. Yeah. For for those of us who, you know, our personalities who want that, we well, have yeah. to see that light as and, victory. And
1: we're, we're kind of control freaks on this side of the microphone. And so to have, you know, to not be in control of knocking it all the way down and have to trust that it will get knocked all the way down. Um, that's hard. Or
0: maybe understand that it won't. Yeah. Mm.
2: Because sometimes it doesn't, yeah. you know. I, I remember being a kid, and and you know, you always heard your parents as pastors talk about certain things and churches and situations. And sometimes there was freedom for the people. Sometimes they did get a new leader who was healthier, or. Uh, the person who was the abuser was was let go but there was never without a wake of destruction behind whoever it was that was causing the chaos and i think that for me was what was what always lit my justice button up was like well why does there have to be so many like we know the lord is going to ask some of us to walk out hard things but like yeah if we can prevent it from happening to other people and i was just on a live today where i was saying I found out that one of the people who was one of my abusers just got ordained into a new position at a church. And the human part of me is like, why are we still putting people like this in position? Like if they've been in two different churches in three years for the same thing, and they're coming to you now wanting authority why aren't we making them sit under our leadership and like why aren't we interviewing those churches where they came from and finding out why they were dismissed or why they left and i think churches are just so desperate for talent and so desperate for hard workers that they're willing to take the chance but it's at the expense of the sheep and that's where my heart breaks and where your heart breaks is yeah. we can't keep
1: sacrificing sheep for for um an appearance yeah, yeah. Yeah, agree. A thousand percent.
0: <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah, that's where we're at. Because I hear you have yeah. a book coming out.
2: <laughs> I think July 4th, which it feels like it's been the longest launch of ever. But we knew this book needed some time to breathe and kind of get out there. Um, I got... This book deal with David C. Cook, like two years ago, I started writing the uh, proposal and knew the Lord was turning the black boxes into a book. Um, and so that's what it is. It's called Raised to Stay, Persevering in Ministry When You Have a Million Reasons to Walk Away. And it's basically just my story of getting hurt um, as a younger Christian uh, leader, and then taking it all the way to the hope and the holy where God does heal and restore if we stay long enough to watch him do the re- the reconciling work. Um, but a lot of us are quitting before we get to that part because we're tired and discouraged and we just want to do something different. And so, the book is just a journey of just going through the heart and the heart and the hurt, and then getting to that hope and the holy, which God always does because that's what He does. God turns our ashes into beauty, and um, so I'm excited. I'm proud of it. We have some really great um, endorsers of this. I wanted pastors to be able to endorse it, um, people who have been in ministry a long time. Lisa Bevere wrote the foreword. That's awesome,
0: um,
1: right?
2: Like. <laughs> you know, a, a mother of the faith. And yes. when I was asking the Lord who should write the forward, I just heard him say, ask a, a general, not a celebrity. And when I started looking at the generals of faith who were still around, you guys, there's not a lot. I mean, that aren't attached to a scandal or, or whatever. So mama Lisa came in and she's uh, wrote a beautiful forward and it's out for pre-order now. And we're doing great. Our goal is to hit New York times. We want to see this message go across the globe. So in order for it to do that, we do have to hit New York Times, but we believe that the Lord will amplify the message where he wants it to go.
0: And while we're talking about pre-orders for a second, I was listening to another podcast recently, and I just have to say that pre-ordering books is so, so important, guys. So if you're interested in what she's talking about, um, definitely get in there and pre-order, and we'll have her tell you where in just a second. Um, But what happens is they need to make sure there's enough copies for the people who want the book. So the more people who pre-order, the better prepared we are, or they are sorry, i'm not I'm not copying it. <laughs> <laughs> the better prepared they are to be able to handle the the number of books. So where yeah. can they pre-order?
2: Well, right now you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Christian Books, Books a Million. We're asking churches to consider even doing bulk orders and getting them for your staff. All bulk orders are going to get immediate access to my 12-week video course that actually goes with it. And that way churches have language, right? Like they have a resource that if your church is going through high turnover, if your staff is weary, this is not a bashing the church book. This is honestly a, hey, how do? we come together, acknowledge our weaknesses, and then move forward for kingdom purpose, which is really to go and make disciples. So how do we keep doing that while also knowing we're broken and kind of hot messes across the board?
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: And you love the church. I mean, you, in yeah. your verbiage, in your in your all black boxes, like everything is so clear that you love the church and, and for, you know, race to stay, that we would stay um, even if it's, Hard. And I mean, you do talk about, you know, hey, if you're in abuse, if you're, you know, get out, like leave. Like you do talk about that, but to stay within the church and to not leave God and his house.
2: Yes. Yeah, and I think that pastors are very defensive right now because mm-hmm. they've been called abusers. They have been called um narcissists. They um they've been called that for holding people accountable, not because they were truly abusive. So also being sensitive to our church leaders and shepherds who are doing a good job to let them know they don't have to be the bad guy. Let me be the bad guy. Let me come in with this book <laughs> and like have us all take a good look at our own hearts before yeah. we start pointing fingers and flipping tables, you know?
1: I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for being on our podcast and for
0: taking the time. Is there real quick before we, yeah. ask, is there anything else that you want to oh, share good. with our listeners?
2: No, I'm just grateful for any opportunity to be with the people of God. You guys, thank you for trusting me with your audience. And thank you for just being champions of this message of
0: being raised to day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're grateful to be able to do it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, all of the things that you're saying go so right along with the theme of our podcast. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for being willing to jump on.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: Okay, I told you guys you were going to love Natalie. Was I right? Like, I know like y'all aren't talking back to us, but I know I was right. I, I love it. And her. how many
0: times can just say like quit it in one podcast? Quit it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I was nervous and I I really um yeah, I think I was nervous. Well, you know, it's hard because Natalie. I mean, the fact that she was willing to spend time with us is For amazing. Real, because she already has a book that's about to come out. Yes, um, but she's a really fun, down to earth person, and so I think that's really she cool. Is she's like, I think we can like all hang out and be friends. Like she felt really, <laughs> yeah, um, definitely so normal anyway. and would fit in our friend group. <laughs> but my point is, is I can see why you were nervous because it's like, hey. Yeah, and the fact that she was willing was just really cool. Anyway, yeah. so that was fun. Join us next week, yeah, as we kick religion out the door, and we are going to talk about deconstruction here on Raw.